Welcome to another post-game media edition of Talking Hoosier Baseball. Uh, Today is Saturday, April 8th, 2023. Today, in perhaps the greatest pitcher's duel ever at Bart Kaufman Field, Indiana and Iowa were scoreless into the 10th inning. Luke Sennard had pitched six shutout innings, striking out a dozen Hawkeyes. Indiana had all of one hit up to that point. Morgan Colopy, an eighth-inning substitution, pulled a fly ball off of the left-field foul pole with Carter Matheson on base to get the walk-off win. The media met with head coach Jeff Mercer, Colopy, and Sennard following the game. And our guys are... So they have their cutters are unique, right? So it's like the fastball profile, and then a cutter usually or a slider have a similar spin, and they sweep, right? So our guys keep trying to stay in like the big part of the field with it, and they're beating on barrels. And I just told the righties, someone's going to have to get the bat like on fastball timing off of their front foot, and if it's a breaking ball and you miss out front, homer it. Like it's fine if you miss out front, homer it, and if if you roll over it, you hook a foul. That's fine. And and and, and I didn't obviously think he was going to hit a walk-off homer, but I was sick and tired of watching. I was trying to, like, take breaking balls into the middle of the field because it just obviously wasn't working. And I mean, Morgan's so strong. And when I – so earlier in the game, I was going to pinch hit for him with Hunter because that guy's batting average against with righties was a lot higher, so like 280 with righties. And then uh, Morgan's a great defender, so I thought I might as well just put him in there, let him get his feet underneath him. And then he popped the same pitch up to center field. So I just told him, if you get it out – if you get it again, homer it. And I don't know if he remembered it or not, but – got the same pitch. I just watched the replay and he homered it. So, and, and Morgan is such a talented player. He's such a hardworking guy. He just, he shows up every single day. I mean, you should see it. He hasn't started in a month. He's the first guy here in the cages every single day. He's on the spin ball. He's on the high hack. He's, he's on the field. He stays late. Like he is a professional and I've known Morgan for a long time. And, and I did, you just respect that. And, and you want to get those guys an opportunity and, and just felt like it was a good matchup. Like that guy was a good matchup for Morgan. And, and obviously he went and did it, but I just can't say enough good things about because everyone's gonna remember the home run and that's awesome. And I'm so glad that God blessed that kid with that moment because he is so deserving. Um, but what you don't see is, is when guys fall out of the rotation a little bit, he's been a defensive replacement because he's a great defender. Guys fall out of the rotation and they, they kind of get a little bit, you know, hopeless, right? Well, I'm not in there and this stinks, I'm not playing. So I just don't show up to work anymore. And to watch a guy, you would think he hits third and, and plays every day the way that he works and the way that he shows up. And uh, I just I have a ton of respect for him, a ton of respect for guys that work like that. And just uh, I'm glad we won, but I, I'm, I'm probably more happy on a personal level for him um, with the respect that I have for him as a, as a human being. When he entered uh, in the eighth, was the sole purpose of that just to be a defensive replacement? No, it, I, wanted, I was going to hit for him. If, if, um, if Hunter's spot was going to come up, I was going to hit for him, but I wanted to keep Hunter on deck. Because I didn't, I, I wanted him to stay with that guy. So not that they were going to switch or not, but I wanted him to stay with that righty. So I left Hunter on deck, and then I thought, well, he's a better defender. I might as well slide him into defense and just let him get his feet underneath him. And it's a zero-zero game. Slide Devin to left, um, and <clears throat> ended up working out because it's easier for a righty to throw that ball uh, on the relay. It kind of worked out, and it wasn't my intention. But if there's a lefty, probably he's probably safe, right? It's a it's a bang-bang play at the plate. Uh, so you just if you're going to hit with him later. Just play defense right now because he he's our he's probably our best overall defender as well. So, no, I wanted to hit with him because I knew it was a good matchup. But in the moment, I, I knew that the, if he's going to go in the game, just play defense for the last two innings and see what happens. 
you, I know what, I hate to revisit this again, but you're a big proponent of adding replay in the Big Ten. We learned this week the Valley has it. Most of every other major conference does, and it sounds like it could be coming soon. But again, you had that play at first they didn't call. You may have left out the play at the plate. It was awful close. So does today continue to show that the Big Ten yeah. dropped the ball on not adding replay like every other conference? Yeah, well, you, you, I'll, I'll let you speak for the, the Big Ten. But <laughs> what's, what really stinks is, is that it's, it's unfair to the umpires. That's what that's what that's what stinks. I feel bad for those guys. Those guys are trying really hard. They give their best effort, and and when there's a bang bang play, now I'm put in an awful position where I I have to go out and I have to argue. I have to stand up for your team. And, and Rick, like I said, Rick, yes, Rick's a good friend. He's an awesome coach. He has to go out there and stand up for his team. There's nothing you can do, but your boys expect you to go out there and stand up for him. And the umpire's just doing the best he can. I mean, the human eye can only can only do so much. And and yes, you're right. We, we replay is coming, but. We, we have to have it. It's, it's 2023. The, the world has moved into this, into this area, into this arena. The players are so big and fast and strong. The, the, the game is just so much faster. I'm 37, and it, I, I'm not that old. I'm probably still one of the youngest head coaches in the country. But the game is so much faster even than when I played. It's incredible. And so we just we need it for the, for the umpires and, and for the coaches, for the kids, obviously, for the right call in the game, but also just for the relationships for those guys because I don't want to – you know, the, I have to go out and talk to your first base umpire last night. I've had him since I was in college. He's an awesome guy. He had the play at first yesterday and the play at the plate tonight. I don't want to go out there. I even told him I don't want to come out here and do this, but I have to or the guys don't think you have their back. So, yeah, as soon as we can, it, it, it will be – it would just be the right thing to do. And it's coming. It's coming. It is. It is. So we're there, but we just – not today. So <laughs> we kind of have to still do like the dog and pony show and I have to walk out and they have to tell me, they got it right, and, and all that stuff that we've been doing for 150 years. It would just be nice to, and then fine, whatever whatever call they make is fine. But it would, and I'm not an arguer. Like I just watch the game predominantly, so I would like to just watch the game. Very good. Um, the, the the quiet play of this win is uh, Devin Taylor's relay um, out, yeah. at, out in left field. He makes a lot of noise uh, with his bat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, haven't really seen him in that many defensive sort of yeah. plays, yeah. Um, is that something that he's been working on or, or has, has well, he possessed what's, what, So he was a, an outfielder in high school primarily. And then I put him at first base almost the whole fall, a little bit of outfield, but predominantly first base um, because we had, at the time, freshman A.J. Shepard, who's a terrific player. And A.J. ends up with an injury, so he couldn't play um, this, this season. So I was trying to get when I was rotating Tibby and, and De I'm sorry and, and AJ behind the plate with with those other couple guys to see if I could get Devin in at, at first base with with all those outfielders coming back um, and and then when when AJ got hurt it was like okay Tibby's gonna have to pretty much play first base and then we put we put Devin back on that in the outfield predominantly and, and tried to get him back up to speed as much as he can um, fortunately for everyone. He's a really natural player, very, very instinctual. His dad played college baseball, which is a huge help. So he, he gets the game, he understands the game. He's so smart. So he picks things up really quickly and, he, and he's got a really slow heartbeat, just a really slow pulse. Doesn't get, if you see him on the bench, you know, he doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. He, he just goes and plays. And, um, you know, we, it's, it's funny, we do cuts and relays every week on our midweek practices, probably once or twice. But I don't always do double cuts down the line because it's it's really taxing on guys' arms, and we've had a ton of travel and back-to-back -back double headers and all those things. But I was like, you know what? I got a feeling this is going to be a, a double cuts weekend. So we did a bunch of double cuts down the lines and moved guys around. And 
and again kind of ended up coming coming up in that moment and when you're making a practice plan you don't know that but afterwards you're like i can't believe i didn't practice that or i can't believe i didn't do that and then i came up with a big force so yeah devin what you love about a guy like that is it's like okay we're going to switch gears and you're going to go back out to the outfield primarily and he wasn't playing for the first three or four weeks and he kind of worked his way into the dh and then into the outfield and then um, and really then in the right field, which is a difficult position to, to handle. And he's done a, just a magnificent job of it. And then in the middle of the game, hey, go play left field. You know, it's just you, you really respect guys that just have an even keel and an even demeanor. And it's not like, well, why am I going here? Why am I doing that? It's just this is my job and go do my job. And, you know, if coach thinks that's what needs to happen, then I'm just going to go do it. And, and Devin is and he's the best. From a coach's perspective, this is for you, but also in any coach's mindset, when you have a day like today, both pitchers throw a career game any other day this year, Sennard pitches that way, you don't win any other day. You know, that guy doesn't pitch like that, you never get it to extras, you know, you have the close place. What's the mindset of a coach in a game like that where you think, oh, you know, we could have won it, you know, if any other thing didn't happen? Yeah, uh, you know, uh, horseshoes and hand grenades, you know, it's just, you, you can't worry about it. You can't be phased. You have to just handle the task at hand. Because there's, there's so many there's so many decisions that have to be made in real time, you know who's coming in next, what's Kraft's pitch count, uh, what's the matchup for their versus their next to the lineup, right? Who's going tomorrow, and do we want to shoot our shot here or not? There's so many things going on that you don't have the chance for ifs and, and buts and what ifs and man that stinks. And there's just no place for emotion in the game when you're trying to make those decisions. And I try to tell it to the guys, not that I don't want you to have fun, I want you to have fun, but emotional people don't make good decisions. You can't, you can't make good choices. I tell my four-year-old all the time, you can't make good choices when you're holding your breath and stomping around, pal. Like, you, you got to just handle what you can handle, control what you can control, and make good choices. And, and that's what you try to get to the kids. But you also have to be an active participant as a coach. If I'm emotional in the dugout and I'm stomping around and I'm throwing a fit, then how am I supposed to hold anybody else accountable for doing that? So I'm, I'm thrilled with Luke. I'm thrilled with Ryan Kraft. They've been terrific for us all year. Their guy was terrific. Um, pitched his tail off, and and so you just—it is what it is. Life, life's not always fair. It's tough. Get over it. Like we're not unique that adversity hits us, and so handle it. And maybe God bless us with that performance today, so that we could find our way into that moment later in the game. And and, and you just have to persevere. And we did. You at, at the end of last season, um, you, you mentioned that you would employ defensive shifts, kind of dependent upon the quality of the of the accuracy of the pitching. Yeah. You, we saw a lot of defensive shifts today. Yeah, yeah, we, we've done a, Coach Simmons has done a really good job. So we, we've got a little bit different software than we had last year. So we invested into, and, and we're fortunate financially that Indiana allows us to invest in some of that technology and some of that software. And so we, we had a meeting this morning and, and Derek kind of pulled me aside. And we, we'd gone like probably two thirds of the way into like the optimal shifts. But after, after yesterday, especially with the guys that we were going through today, we felt really strongly that we could go into like full optimal shifts and we were just going to play it out. And, and we did, and, and it really worked. They, they hit into them, they hit into the shifts. Derek had them in the right spot. Zach did a great job in, in the outfield. And, you know, having this staff together in its second year really helps because now everyone kind of can know their role and know their places. So Coach Glantz not worrying about moving the shortstop at the last minute. We have all the... All the all the spray charts, all the balls in play, and the, the question is: is do we feel confident enough with our execution to be able to go into more of a, like a high risk, high reward shift? And you got to execute to it. 
and, and we did it rain beautifully today. So just a follow-up, is that something that you're more comfortable doing with Sonard on the mound? Yeah, and Kraft. Okay. Kraft's a ground ball guy. They're, they're, gonna, they're designed to do exactly what they did today, which is pitch really well, take care of the ball, and put the ball in play. And, and so you know they're predominantly, they're not going to hook balls down the line. Now I say that, we were in no doubles. And what's his name? The, the Riggy kid doubles on the first baseline with two outs, two outs and nobody on, which about gave me a, an ulcer. But um, <laughs> like the one thing you can't, you know, don't want to have happen. But uh, they, they, they hit the ball predominantly in the middle of the field the other way. And, and with two strikes, their shifts are, 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 their patterns are really strong. And so they, I mean, you can show them that. They can't change it. That's what they practice. And again, they're a great team. They're, they've been ranked in a potential regional host for a reason. Um, but, but we've been able to use it to our advantage. Again, if, if you call fastball in and, and you move those guys into the six hole and up the middle, and then you spray it onto the outside half, like you're, you're going to get some misfires. But we, we didn't do that, and we were able to, to take advantage. So, yeah, with Sonard, with Kraft, and, and with some of those guys, we, we feel strongly. We really kind of started doing it later into the game yesterday, mm -hmm. as we kind of saw it was like four ground balls in the six hole. Um, and it was like, we've got to get Pine off of the line and allow him to free up a little bit. Uh, but we did it against Ohio State a couple times, kind of deployed it more. I remember one play specifically, uh, we got two strikes on a lefty, uh, Hank Thomas. And Sims looked at me and said, I want to take, because we practice Pine over in the middle all the time, but we, we've got to have some courage to actually like vacate the whole left side. And Sims looked at me and said, hey, do you want to, you want to go optimal here and put Pine? It? And I said, yeah, do it if you like it, do it. And so he runs over, runs over there, very next pitch right to him and it gave me a little bit more confidence and peace of mind um, to, to employ that. So yeah, we'll do it as much as we can as, as you know, a guy like Seti, we, we, we can probably do that. He's going to, he's going to throw strikes. He's going to, he's going to compete pretty much where it's supposed to be at. And, you know, Yoho's got really good stuff where you're going to be able to do some of those things. So we should be able to help them if they'll allow us to help them more and more as we go, especially at home where we know the turf. Coach, I had, I had 24 missed uh, swings and misses from Sonar and 12 strikeouts. What makes his stuff so difficult to see in the batter's box? So he, he's done an awesome job of, of hiding his fastball with the cutter. And he didn't have the splitter today, so he really wasn't. He was good, mm -hmm. but he really wasn't even as good as he has been where Vila was a little bit down and he have, didn't have the splitter. So when he's his, his fastball rides a little bit, but the cutter-splitter combo really hide the fastball a ton. And so it's kind of like their guy, you know, which it's the fastball is 93-95, but the cutter's 90-92. And so it just bores sideways, and you don't know how to attack it. Um, but his cutter is more true, has cutter shape, and has some depth to it. But it looks a lot like the fastball that moves late. So then the fastball really kind of plays up. And as soon as you kind of get a feel for those two, then he has the curveball. And that, that's a really devastating pitch because mm -hmm. he was six foot nine, so it comes from so high. Um, what I'm excited about for him is, is as hopefully gets his legs and his, his breath a little bit in your second half, gets the splitter back, and, and he can kind of – that's where it really, really gets hard for guys to, to differentiate. I think the angle, him being so big, um, is, is really deceptive. And then when you call a fastball in, he throws it in, and he's coming after you with, a, with, like, with an attitude. And so now you've got a fastball in, which makes guys make early decisions. And now I've got early decisions, fastball in, and then the cutter plays off of that, and it just makes it really, really hard. And then when he, when he drops a curveball from like the moon, you know, then it really is deceptive. And, yeah. and he's got guts. He's got guts, and he's going to execute it. So yeah, it's, he was awesome. Awesome. Thanks, coach. Luke Sennard, uh was handed his first loss last weekend, then comes back this weekend, throws the, the 
the start of uh, this season. Did you, what did you notice uh, from his demeanor that uh, sort of led to this outburst? He threw his hardest pitches in the last inning. He grabbed a 93 in the last inning. It's an attitude. You know, when you go recruiting, I, I recruited Ryan Kraft my, my first two weeks at Indiana. And he was like 81, 84. He was like a freshman in high school. He threw his hardest fastballs on fastballs and the righties. And it was like, that guy's going to be a star. When you got guys that throw their hardest pitches in and they throw their hardest pitches in their last inning, then they, they've got guts. And, and you know, he's, he's gone into a whole new role, right, where it's like all of a sudden you're the ace of a staff and, and he's still a young guy. He's a sophomore. And, you know, I, he, was, he was fine last week. He did a fine job. I, I thought it was just a little bit more passive. It's like, hey, man, you're a, you're a bulldog. You're, you're the man. You know, and, 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 and go out there and continue to do what makes you special. And, and Coach Client does such an awesome job of really challenging those guys. And you, know, you tell those guys in the fall, you're really hard on them. And you're hard on them to try, try to put armor on them, right, to toughen them up because these things are, are dog fights and they're tough and they've got to be tough. And, and we were really hard on Luke in the fall. And, and he wanted it and raced it. And it's like, hey, man, you've done it. You've established yourself as that guy. Just give us what you got and go compete. And he just, he's, he's got a, an attitude and he pitched with it. So I don't know if it was necessarily different. I think it was, um, I, he just is, he just wants to win so bad. And he could smell it, you could sense it. And he got better as he went. And uh, just what a performance. Right? Morgan, how happy were you that the ball hit the foul pole since there's no replay in the Big Ten and it may have been a judgment call, you know, if it goes over the foul pole from the umpire and we saw there were some controversial calls, which as your coach said is doing the best. So how happy are you would hit the foul pole? So there was no doubt about whether it was fair or fair. Uh, to be honest, I didn't really notice it hit the foul pole until I just was seeing the videos now. I saw everyone kind of storm out of the dugout and I was kind of watching the guys jumped out of the, over the wall of the bullpen and then I just realized on the video that it hit the foul pole actually, so I didn't even notice it in the game. As you're rounding third base, you take off your helmet, you spike it to the ground. Uh, what was sort of the emotion uh, in that moment? I don't, to be honest, I don't really remember after I hit second base. I kind of just blacked out. I was just so excited for our team to win that big game. Um, Mercer said that you've uh, done a lot of work in the cage. After last night's loss, were you in here in the cage, or is that something that you were just sort of working on uh, this morning? Uh, the loss doesn't really change how we work. We show up every day, and we do our drill work, and we do get on the high hack and hit fastballs and work on hit fastballs. So nothing really changed. So in the second game, second straight game, you've you've had one of the only major hits of the game. Uh, is there anything you've been doing differently compared to the rest of the team? Uh, is it just coming off the bench? What is it that's that, that's allowed you to be successful in these in these particular moments? I just try and prepare and do the best with my opportunity. What's given with me. So just trying to be ready for when my name is going. A normal day for you, you've given up three, four runs. Today you were even better with a shutout, knowing you needed every bit of that. How, how does that feel that you, in your, you gave the best day on a day your team absolutely had to have it? Because on your normal day, you know, it may have been a three-nothing loss. Yeah, um, really, I just stuck to my same routine and uh, just kept, kept doing uh, what I need to do off the field and trusting the process to go out there. And today was my day. I had every pitch working for me. Um, sometimes in the past, Penn State, I didn't have every pitch working for me. Um, but other than that, going out there with every pitch, that should happen almost every time. Um, asked Mercer about last week um, at Penn State. You're just naturally very competitive. But was there sort of 
after that uh, loss, was there sort of an extra sense that you really needed to win this game and really have that shutdown performance? Um, after the game, I took I, I came to a realization that you know I feel like I maybe have gotten a little bit comfortable in the starting role, and I didn't go out there with as much fire as I needed to. Um, and so this this whole week, I've been in my bullpens with Glant, just going back to my performance at Texas. Really, was when I was moving really quick, uh, getting on the mound, good tempo, uh, and just you know going going with good tempo. And it just I'm I'm really good with rhythm. I thrive off of rhythm. Um, so. Yeah. For a few games, you know, the, the offense has not been able to produce as many runs as they're accustomed to, as you're accustomed to them. So that, that kind of puts a little bit extra pressure on you to, to, to keep zeros up on the board. Um, what's going, does that change your mindset at all? How you pr process through this game, knowing you were trying to keep zeros up on the board? Uh, no, not really. I, uh, you know, even though they haven't been producing, I've been just going out there with the same mindset, three outs, get back in, trusting them that they will eventually, you know, score for us. But it hasn't hasn't really affected me out there. I, I just really focus on not giving away freebies, no walks, and uh, trying to put the ball in play so my defense can work. How different is it to pitch at home? You crowds were lower. The last few games have been much nicer. You've had a bigger you know a bigger crowd. It's been nearly full. How big is it to pitch with everyone behind you today versus when you're on the road? Uh, it's actually it's it's a huge difference in my opinion. Penn State, there's like nobody there. No, uh, didn't feel like there was any energy. And my two strike counts, I could really feel the energy in the stadium. Um, and that, that really helped me get through it. How early today did you know that you had kind of everything working? Was it something you knew in the bullpen when you're warming up, or was it when that first batter steps to the plate? Um, well, I kind of I worked on it during the week, um, throwing every pitch for a strike and then being able to throw it for chase. So I kind of knew even before the game I was going to have everything. I think it was there in that sixth inning. You leave a few guys on base, and you go off the mound. You know, you yell towards the dugout. Um, what sort of led to that showing of emotion in that moment? Uh, well, Huckstorf, good hitter. Um, it he gave me a couple good abs, and uh, we uh, we had video on him. We knew he was a good hitter, so it was a big moment for our team with runners on base. And I just I made the big pitch, got through it, got fired up. I was hoping that it would. Leading to our offense, get them fired up. Uh, last time you had 13 strikeouts, you said that you weren't keeping track. Were you keeping track today with 12? I was not. <laughs> I absolutely was not. I was just trying to get in and out of there as quick as possible, get my offense back up there. Does the pitch clock effect you at all? It's making games go quicker. Clearly, we played 10 innings today in two hours, 35, 240. You seem like you throw pretty quick, but does that change your mindset knowing there's a pitch clock now? Uh, no, it doesn't. I've always worked fast. Um, even in high school, even previous appearances, I, I always try to work fast. I always try to make the hitter on, on edge. I'm already up there waiting on him to get set. And I'm already set. So that's what works for me. What was it like being in the stampede of guys pouring out of the dugout for Morgan's home run? Uh, no, that, was, that was crazy. I. I'm not like the other guys. I try to stay away from that. <laughs> Everyone had cleats on. I had turfs on. I didn't want to get hurt. Uh, so I, I saw what happened to uh, Edwin Diaz. And I don't want to be in crowds. <laughs> that concludes this post-game media edition of Talking Hoosier Baseball. 
The Iowa series wraps with an Easter Sunday rubber match at 12 noon. See you at the BART.